3: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast
0: Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spanoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust.
3: Welcome to A Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and tonight I'm joined by Declan McConville. Declan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for the invite Paul.
3: It's always uh, it's always a privilege and a pleasure to have you on the show Declan, it's certainly not your debut. But tonight, just before the European encounter against Reykjavik, which we'll be talking about later on, we're here to talk about your Celtic supporters club. So, you were a founder member of the club, when did it start up? 2018. 2018. So prior to that, talk to me about your Celtic support in life leading up to the decision that you made to get involved and setting up your own supporters club.
1: Um, Anybody that knows me will know I go to games with my dad and always have done. So a lot of the time going to Celtic Park, but just generally went in the car. Um, From a young age, he went in a bus previous to me being born and then fell away from it. It was just easier to take the car, more convenient. And then we joined another supporters club from the Winterschills in Great Western Road. It's um, owned by Paul Shevlin, who's related to Chris Shevlin. He used to play for Celtic for a short spell and hearts. And that's how we used to get to games. And then eventually we went back to the pub um, that my dad used to go on the bus from to games. Uh, previously on the Garsky Emerald, now the Mary bit Old. So that's how we kind of he went round full circle back to where he'd kind of begun going to Celtic uh, going to Celtic apart from Mary Hill.
3: You talk about Chris Shevlin yeah I mean um, Celtic won the European Cup and the, the 2 signings that they made after winning the European Cup were uh, Pat McMahon yep. from Junior Football and Chris Shevlin who had actually retired from Hearts with a bad injury and Jockstein managed to get a second opinion on him and brought him out of retirement. Now, Declan, can you imagine the Twitter furore after winning the European Cup? You've signed a croc and a junior player. Yep. But interestingly enough, uh, he is also related through the marriage of his son to Sean Fallon. Yes. So talk to us about that a wee bit as well.
1: Yeah, um, I know a lot of Sean's grandchildren because they work in the pub and stuff. Ashleen, uh, young Michael. And I kind of became good friends with Sean Jr. as well, who's a cracking guy. Um so that's been nice too, two big footballing families, the Shavens and the Fallons, but they're all really nice folk and it's been really nice getting to know them. I never actually met Sean, I know you did an interview with him in Wintersgills. I did. But from all accounts, really nice guy and uh, a complete Celtic legend.
3: That was a memorable day, Declan, beautiful sunny day and, and uh, sitting outside on the Great Western Road and he uh, had a few wee nips that day. I think his wife Myra had gone for uh, shopping with his daughter. And as I've remembered, right, he, he liked how he smoked, did Sean? He was smoking silk cut cigarettes. But, uh, you know, just talking to that man, he was the final link to, you know, Jockstein's manage- management side that that conquered Europe. And there was a sadness because I remember at one point he said he misses his friends. That You know, he misses Neilie Mockin, he misses Jock and Jimmy Steele. Bob Rooney and uh, it, was a, it was a bit sad but funny, funny man and uh, he kept me amused for a good couple of hours that day. It's unforgettable speaking to a man like Sean Farland, Declan as you can imagine but I, I echo your sentiments about uh, Sean Jr who's a, a smashing lad as is Neely Mocking Jr as well, uh, both massive Celtic fans. So you, you've gone to the supporters' club that, that uh, ran out of the boozer. And how did that develop from there to you and some others saying, you know, let's set up our own club?
1: Gags, or Gary Love, um, as people know him, was good friends with Bertie Old when Gary got married in Vegas and Bertie was his best man at a convention. Mm-hmm. So they kept a good relationship. Obviously, Bertie just from up the road. So Gary took over the pub um that kinda of became an issue that myself, my dad, my godfather and other guy that goes to oil's Dougie left that bus and we're kinda of, what do we do now? And we saw that we opportunity there, spoke to Gary and we said, Okay, go for this if you're happy for us to run a bus out the pub. Yep, definitely and we phoned Bertie, told him we're gonna name a bus after him because for some reason there's a couple of buses that run out of Mary Hill. no one has called after Bertie. So we contacted Bertie, gave us a thumbs up and it's just kind of taken off from there.
3: Well, we can't do uh, an on meets the Bertie Old CSC without talking about the man himself, Declan. Talk to us about uh, your experiences with Bertie Old.
1: Just a really lovely guy. Um, anybody that has a pleasure to meet the their husband lines know how humble they are. And he is so so lovely. Um, he's just a great guy. Never saw him refuse a photograph or a chat with anybody. Um, and it's just great to to be from a place that a guy that conquered Europe with that famous Celtic team, hails from. He's just brilliant, and he's still you know he's so active. His jokes are sometimes you might have heard them before, but it they're still good for a giggle. And he's still fit as a fiddle, you know, at the grand old age of 82 he is now.
3: It's incredible when you start looking at the ages now. I know that um, John Fallon turned 80 just the other yes. day there, Declan. And, you know, they are, they're getting into that, that time of life and it's, we should celebrate them at every opportunity, Declan, you know. As you say, Bertie, he is, you know, it's one of these things people get called legends all the time. But Bertie Old, when he walks in the room, you know that that's wee yep. Bertie because, he, you know, he's got a certain aura about him, a certain um, confidence and you could listen to him all night couldn't you?
1: Yes you could um, and he, he said that he came up to the pub last season and it was a great line he said, he said I can be invited anywhere in the world but nothing beats coming home and that was really nice I think for everybody in the pub that day to see that you know he's not forgot his roots, he still remembers his mother having a shop just up the road and, and where he grew up before he would obviously go on to become a professional
3: footballer and he tells a great tale, you know, when he's talking about signing for Celtic and, um, you know, he, he could have gone elsewhere for more money but he was he bought into it because of Jimmy McGrory, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, he went and visited Celtic Park with his dad and Jimmy McGrory deserves a man's credit. We had a brilliant discussion with the the guys from uh, The Rock. Uh, obviously, their, their stadium, their ground is called James McGrory Park and they were talking about plans, Declan, to erect... Or start fundraising to erect a statue, Jimmy McGrory. How overdue is that?
1: It's massively overdue, and um, there's been talk of you know, Fergus McCann stands at Celtic Park, etc. But a man that's place should be recognised at Celtic Park as J- Jimmy McGrory. I mean, the record speaks for itself: five hundred and fifty goals. Obviously, not just a, a player but a manager. And going back in that, I mean, some of his achievements as manager: Coronation Cup, seven one nearly led Celtic to her first final European final in 1963 um, apart from a horrific disastrous uh, match against MTK Budapest which mm-hmm. John Fallon's told me about many a time um, but yeah massively overdue and he should deserve his, his place there beside Billy Jimmy uh, Brother
3: Walford and Jockstein I think uh, some time ago John Kearney approached the club Uh, Brilliant guy John Kearney is the the man who turned down the the role of James Bond uh, famously but a great actor uh, a great poet a great author and he approached Celtic to say that there should be a lasting monument to Jimmy McGrory up at Celtic Park and that was many many years ago and it's never happened. Uh, And I think the more of these uh, monuments, the better. I mean, I know that we've got the fantastic Bobby Lennox statue at uh, Salt Coats. And, you know, the more the the better. I think there should be a Lisbon Lions statue um, for every one of the lions. And it would be great. Yeah, it would be great to have them at Celtic Park, but it's also important to remember where they're from. And I know that uh, there's a Billy McNeil commemorative committee set up uh, to do the honours in Bells Hill. Uh, We've recently heard from the Willie Mailey committee. Um, so I think that's important Declan and it's all part of the history and we've got to continue to spread that from generation to generation when you go up to Celtic Park how important is it just to even look at these statues and remember what these great men did for the club
1: it's massive, it's massive our players especially coming in the door you know that, that don't maybe have a great knowledge of the club to, to point to these guys and, and explain to them but they, they achieved at Celtic you know and th- their legacy um, of course, Brother Wolford found in the club. Big Billy, Jock, uh, Jimmy and Jock being part of that side that won the European Cup. Jimmy voted greatest ever player. Billy greatest ever captain. And of course, Jock's been, to many people, greatest ever manager. So th- these guys' legacy should be there forevermore. And as you say, in other places where these people are originally formed, they should be honoured. I mean, the Billy McNeil committee aren't just there for the quickness of a statue, they're going to make that a lasting legacy to help in the local community, which is really delivering on a promise of a lasting legacy and honour of Billy, which I think could be the, the case for a lot of the guys because what they achieved um, didn't just change football, but changed society and change culture and their place should be forevermore. It
3: should never be forgotten. It's always something to aspire to, you know, when you see a statue of a man... Who, um, or a sports person who originated from, you know, maybe humble beginnings, Declan. If I go back to some of the areas in Fife uh, that uh, I spent my formative years in, and if you look at High Valleyfield, for example, and there is a war, mo- not a war monument, sorry, a, a, a pit disaster monument uh, in High Valleyfield. And I think that, you know, the fact that a young man came from that village, uh, swapped the pit boots for football boots, and represented his country, played in a European final, European Cup final, was Scotland's player of, of the Year. If there was something there uh, to remember the great George Connolly by, it's something for generations to aspire to because they look around their environment and they might think that there's no hope for them. There's no escape. And then you look at this shining beacon uh, of a statue of someone who was able to uh, trailblaze bla- all over Europe uh, as one of the most talented footballers the country's ever produced. So it's so, so important. I mean, I'm just thinking, though, if you if you had a statue of Bertie, what would the pose be? Would it be when he's got his top off and he's got the bowler hat and all well, that? Maybe.
1: The Leeds United pose? Yeah. Um, maybe the Clyde pose when he's sitting the ball? <laughs> uh, I don't really know. I mean, there's that many... Um, are the old famous Partick Fissel pose with a cigar hanging out the mouth. But, I don't know, i would probably need to get that uh, opinion off Bertie, what he prefers. Maybe just him on the ball, on his way, as he did so often for Celtic in the middle of the park with Bobby Murdoch.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, what's Bertie's thoughts then about the fact that your club's named after him? Has he, has he been able to, to join you? I know that I've seen you on social media. I've seen Bertie wearing the T-shirts and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, um, as I said, after we played St Johnston the 7-0 game, opening game of the season last year, he came up to the pub and, I mean, he stood for two hours and took a photograph. I think everybody in that pub took a photograph of him. Wasn't in any rush to get away. And I think he's just really humbled and delighted that, you know, that there's that, that legacy there for him and Mary Hill, that there's, there's 50 guys cutting about with his T-shirt on, um, did the T-shirts and have been sent to the Republic of Ireland. They've been sent to England, so it's not just in Mary Hill. Uh, the teachers getting sported Belfast as well. So I think he just really likes the idea that, you know, there's that connection there between Bertie and Mary Hill and it's been celebrated long overdue.
3: As it should. As it should. Talk to us then about the, the connection between Celtic and Mary Hill, Declan.
1: There's a massive connection which I never really noticed until recently, especially between the junior clubs. Um and you're talking real Celtic legends here. So Mary Hill Juniors is just about ten minutes up the road from where our bus leaves from, and that is where Celtic used to find players out to quite a lot. Um, so Tommy Burns, Pat McCluskey, Danny McGreen, Paul Wilson you know four you know key players for Celtic's history all played for Mary Hill Juniors, and before that was the Mary Hill Harp, which is where Bertie signed from. Uh, Donkey McKay, Willie Miller, the goalkeeper, Frank Caffey, Jimmy Quinn. Junior And uh, Peter Scarf Played for Maryhill Hibernian, So there is A play for a, Of Celtic legends To have played uh, Junior football in Maryhill And then made the step From there To Celtic Park Or have been Loaned out to Maryhill To kind of Get toughened up Before they go into The first team Being the example With Tommy Burns And Danny McGrain
3: mm, And it done them No harm Declan We were talking Earlier today About the the Youth development And that bridge Between youth Development football And first team Football Uh, Back in the day, of course, you had the Reserve League, but you also had this tradition of farming players out. Some of the names you've mentioned there, there are many others who spent time with Cumbernauld United, for example, in the case of Kenny Dalgleish. And I think what we were trying to to get to the bottom of is whether or not the lack of the the Reserve League um, is stifling a lot of young players' development, Declan. What's your thoughts on that? We've got a whole host of... Young guys getting freed every single year out of Celtic Park. And a huge percentage of them uh, are lost to the game. Loads and loads of players go on to have careers elsewhere. But a lot of that is down to the fact that there's a, there's a point, maybe at the age of 18, where you know an 18-year-old needs to start playing against what you would describe as first-team players. Players with that experience, coming back from injury, maybe out of favour. And it, it really is something that we've missed in the Scottish game. Obviously the, the news that Aaron Hickey is maybe on his way to Bayern Munich um, broke yesterday or today and a lot of the, the country's youngsters are fleeing the nest and going elsewhere. Do you think it, it would be an idea either to get the Colts teams in as Celtic wanted or to get a reserve league back? Because at the moment, a lot of the time, these young guys are lost to the game.
1: I think a reserve league is the way to go. I used to certainly enjoy when my dad used to take me along to watch reserve football. Because guys that were maybe coming back to an injury or just weren't getting a game were given that opportunity. It meant they were playing constantly. To play at the level you have to play at Celtic, you need constant football. And there's guys in our team that just don't get that and they need it. Guys that, especially like the two January signings, Azmalia Soro and Patrick Lamala, they sat there for so long not getting that constant football, mm-hmm. which isn't good. Players need to play football.
0: Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
1: Touching on what you were saying about lost generation, the, the, the situation we're in just now, in my opinion, I don't think the SFA's put enough pressure on the Scottish government. Um, to get youth football back up and running and we're going to lose a lot of people if they don't but the attitude in Scotland towards youth football to me is very poor the amount of times growing up you notice the no ball game signs go to pitches and they pad locked up if you like mm-hmm. playing that pitch it's 60 quid for junior you pals that isn't going to encourage any kids to come through and play the game so you know just now I'm worried for youth football especially but I think a reserve league would certainly be something I mean as well as that, it could make clubs money. I mean, but we know the struggles that Scottish teams have. For a team like Hamilton to maybe be playing uh, a kind of reserve team, because Hamilton, a great club, be a great academy that players seem to break through in. For them to be playing against, you know, a changed Celtic team that would maybe feature guys like Sorrow and Clamala that won't be getting into the first team too much. It's good for the league. It's good for the opposition. It's good for youth football in Scotland to come through and hasn't did any other generation... Any harm. I mean, you're booking a quality seat, gang. I'm sure a lot of the guys would say that the lessons they learned from playing against the Lions mm. and breaking into that team moulded them as footballers. And guys like Kenny Duglish, Danny McGrain, George Conley certainly benefited from that. So I don't see why not. But at this current point in time, I'm worried for youth football.
3: Yeah, uh, there are concerns with that, Declan. The other side of it is look at a player like Tommy Rodgick. Now, if he's not playing in the first team as he currently isn't, uh, and it could be due to injury, it could be he's out of favour. There, there could be a period after a long period of time when a player like Roger or or Soro, who you've mentioned, and Klamala previously, Sved's another example, where they just don't play any games. You know, once you're into the the week to week, you know, process and routine of of the season then it's not as though Celtic can set up loads of friendly or bounce matches to make sure that these squad players are getting enough games. It's then difficult to get them bedded into the side. Uh, they might not be prepared physically. So I'm a bit concerned also for the like. Say, I think Roderick's a good example at the moment, he's not played a lot of football over the last 18 months.
1: No, he's not. And going back to the game against Kamarnock, when we were talking about, creativity coming on with a guy that you're screaming out for him early Griffiths and he just seems to be completely off the radar just now um, which is a shame because he, he came up with so many big moments for Celtic and you would like to see him featured more but I just where is he is the question
3: I know and that that's someone who you know a couple of years back was an asset yeah. you know if if you had signed him uh, sorry sold him he would have been a big asset for, for any club and, and Celtic would have been able to profit but Season on season, the less you play, Declan, the, the actual value is going to plummet to the point where, you know, a guy who, you know, probably would have gone for about 10 million quid a year or two ago, it's it's difficult to know where his future lies. And it, it always frustrates me because someone like Roderick has provided some amazing moments for Celtic fans in the not-too-distant past. And it's really frustrating when they just disappear. They're out of favour. But the only way that they can prove themselves as on a training pitch. Yeah. Back in the day, you could have gone out and ran the show or scored the hat-trick for the reserves. The famous story in Andy Lynch's book when he scores four goals against Rangers uh, when he's nursing a sore head, it's got to be said. But he puts himself back into the plans by, you know, bringing himself to the attention and getting the, the scouting reports from the reserve team manager. It's something I hope will change. But again, we've been plummeted into the the coronavirus um, issued of finance So beforehand Clubs were saying they couldn't come up with the money To run a reserve team Celtic could But they were at the mercy of all these other, other clubs Because there, there wasn't a league to play in So that, that's a frustration And one that we uh, will return to I'm pretty sure Now with every CSC I think back to some of the characters In my old bus, Declan And, and telling you tales that you certainly couldn't repeat On this podcast uh, Who are the characters in your Celtic supporters club?
1: When you go into the pub, um, there's a kind of group of older gentlemen that stand up. But older to you though, Declan, but, could be
3: me. What, what up, age, no. what age you are we talking about? 70s, 80s. You know, right, these really are guys, old.
1: these are well-seasoned <laughs> guys. Um, and when you're a wee guy, it's a corner you don't approach, you know, because that's where the real man talk happens up there. But as I've got older, um, obviously they've looked, looked after me as I've grown up and stuff, quite hearing that. And uh, it's guys like Ab Ben Kearney uh, Peter Just really nice Older guys that have been there Seen and done it um, And the guy who I also want to give a mention Is uh, Jackie Henderson Who ran the Garsley Emerald bus Before uh, Jackie's no longer with us But again was a character That my dad had a lot of time for And Robert Bond too So there was a kinda, it's a corner of the older guys um mm-hmm. it was a big team of them they are not as heavy handed now, unfortunately, as life goes on. But the other characters, the other character in our bus is Doogie. Um, if you go to away games, you will probably see me with a character that looks quite like Billy Connolly. Oh yeah. Uh, yep. And that is wee Doogie. He is mental. He comes from Balfron. He is Celtic daft. First game was the 69 Cup final for the Lions Rangers. Mm-hmm. He went to Milan the year after that as a 16 year old. Um, you can hear him from one stand to the other if you're at an away game due to his loud voice and constant moaning but he's brilliant he's probably one of the biggest characters in the bus but there's other lads in the bus that you know that good laughing stuff uh, it's myself my dad Doogie and Jerry that run the bus but probably if you're going to put a character that goes constantly in the bus it's uh, it's wee Doogie just for his craziness his wacky Doc Martin boots his jeans his old Celtic tops that he's wearing because um, in the jeans Paul has you get these mad patches of the stitching HH on it and all that Keep the faith Big number 10s and 88s It's just mental Peering in a pair of purple Doc Martin boots And you're looking and you're thinking What's going on here? But you get at the football Oh they're the big one. And he's Dougie's Weirder than me So he's like 5 foot 6 or something He doesn't look in like only, But Due to the long grey hair um, There's been a few people I managed to get 10 euros off a guy in Munich for a photo of him, I said, it's Billy Conley. He just flew in for the game. Oh, big game. 40, 10 euro, thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, two You're pints, a bad man. So Not at all. Um, that guy should just get an appointment at Speck instead and say they finding a
3: guy at five foot six. You did bump into Billy Conley when you came through to Stirling, didn't I you? I did. When we used to record through in Stirling yeah. for a Celtic State uh-huh. of Mind. Well, where were you? Pretty Green yeah. I was Pretty Green.
1: Yeah. Uh, Liam Gallagher's shop. It was, it was a Saturday afternoon, you know, and it was, I think it was here recording, but we get chatting because I've got a kind of wee family link with Billy Connolly, and that my great-grandfather's brother was Billy's dad's best man, so I was able to tell him that, and he knew my surname, which was great, I was kind of looking at him going, what? Um, it was like that, yep, right away, my convoy. said to uh-huh. and just really nice guy, gave me a good bit of time in his day, got a photograph, spoke a wee bit about Celtic. And I let him go in Browns, uh, Liam Gallagher's fine selection, of clobber.
3: Brilliant. But you failed to bring him along to the studio to, for a wee interview. You know?
1: I did, unfortunately. Um, you failed I, your assignment. I, I think know, the Deppin. big game is a wee bit busy. But um, <laughs> if he's listening in, or Pamela's maybe listening in, He's always welcome to dial in from Florida.
3: Yeah, he is always welcome, that's for sure. Uh, listen, talk to me about some of the highlights. Colin Watt is a regular contributor on a Celtic state of mind and he never shuts up about going to uh, watch Celtic against Lazio away from home. So what kind of highlights have you had uh, following Celtic with the the Bertie Old? At
1: this current point in time, due to the way the ticket structures work, we only run to home games, but I see a lot of the guys at away games. So the big highlights for me, would be probably the Derby games and cup finals, Um, especially the the treble-treble cup final, because that season was, that was the first real season, we'd run a bus, the manager had walked out on us, we have that pressure going to Tyne Castle, all eyes are on us, and we get to the cup final, win the league, you know, treble-treble time, can we do it, go to Hamden. And it was just brilliant. See when you're sitting at the we've
3: front got, of the bus. have got a message coming in for Colin. What, Declan? Oh, Hold right? that thought. Excuse yourself, Mr Dykes. Don't get too jealous about missing Lazio away. Well, I was there too. So it's uh, good It's good that he's tuning in. It's yeah. good that he's tuning in, Declan.
1: Yep. Uh, so, sitting at the front of the bus, you see all the happy faces coming on after a cup final. And you get a real good kick out of that. But when we come back, um, Garsky Broad, as you know, before you got with with hill. The whole pub came out in the street and we did a big massive huddle. The traffic just stopped and we were all jump in the boot, giving it lights. us all do the huddle. So that was probably the highlight uh, for that. But on away games, I saw a lot of folk in Latchel. Not to um, take Colin's thunder, but um, that was just a brilliant night to see a lot of folk that, that go home and away faithfully. Especially a lot of folk that go to European games and see us get some doings. To go to the capital... I um, actually got quite a good story about that day my um, friend that I was with I won't name her she knows who she is lost her ticket in a taxi Um, going to the park so we were to get a bus from the park to the stadium so we leave the hotel get in the taxi get to this park and she goes I think I've lost my ticket and I goes what? and there was a big there was a kind of worry about the tickets because you had your name and date of birth written on it. So if you didn't have a ticket with your name and date of birth written on it, you were not getting into the Stadio Olimpico. So she's, you know, distraught, not getting to the game. I'm thinking, I'm not even going to get to this game now, I'm going to stay with her. And my dad's calm down, it's alright. So we're trying to phone up the taxi number. You know, I don't really speak a great deal of Italian. I can say hello and I can order a beer. And they're just getting blah, 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 blah. blah. I was like, don't oh, know. So we jumped in a taxi, go back to the hotel, says so the guy in the hotel, what's happened? He can speak really good English. Phones the taxi up because we had a week and a of receipt of the number. And the taxi driver still had the ticket. And I thought, oh, Should thank go. God. You know, we were in, we were in Rome, so the Holy Father was really looking, uh down on us that day. And I drove back across Rome. It took about 40 minutes, longest 40 minutes of my life. <laughs> this week I appeared can a wee taxi diver bonnet on pair of sunglasses I have ticket for you I've given him a big cuddle I said there's 40 euro mate thanks very much and that was us on our way to the game so that probably made the experience even better because I actually thought I was in Rome and thought I'm not going to this game of football here
3: you're a gentleman trouble. you're a gentleman as well because I mean you weren't going to go to the game, no. I wasn't even going though to you're leave to, my like, best pal. Well done, well done, son. Now, when you look at the situation you've just described there, when Neil Lennon comes in, he comes in because obviously the manager walked out on us. He walked out on us, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, there was a great disappointment around about that time. But what could have happened is Celtic could have capitulated. It would have been—I'm uh, not saying it would have been easy for that to happen, but you know human behaviour, human nature, yeah, Declan. Uh, we could have crumbled under that kind of pressure and in that scenario, but we didn't. And I don't think, I think Celtic fans certainly give Neil Lennon credit for the way that he conducted himself, the way that he handled that situation. Kevin Graham called it, uh, you know, it was a masterclass in crisis management, and it was. And he, and he stayed really calm, you know, when a lot of other people ran about him, fans included, could have lost their heads a bit. And he was able to get us over the line. Now, in different, completely different circumstances uh, all these months later, uh, what we're talking 18 months later now, Declan, Um, and we're thrown into another scenario, which is a very difficult situation to be in uh, with the the ball and golly issue. So that results this evening in us uh, approaching our first European game, having missed two competitive games of football. So we're going into this a wee bit colder than we should be. Do you have enough faith uh, in the likes of Neil Lennon for what he's done previously that he'll be able to get us through this and we can look back, hopefully having one turn in a row, and say, you know, he's done it again?
1: I've got massive faith in Neil Lennon. Um, As a person and as a football manager, anybody that's met Neil or knows Neil knows he's just a fantastic guy. And as you said, a masterclass in crisis management, yeah. And he seems to work well in the face of adversity because his whole football career at Celtic has had some horrific um, instances, you know, of the the bullets getting sent to him, being attacked at Tynecastle, Castle. Uh, and then, obviously, that's nothing... I mean the size of that is ridiculous but compared to what he came into it was just a different level because that should not be happening to anybody in a game of football but he does so well under pressure and when anybody was asking the question what was he going to do with the whole bowling goldie incident he's kept a lid on it he's kept it can I'm sure he's kept it well indoors with the players and told them their responsibilities again and will have boosted morale well Um, in the car crash interview yesterday Scott Brown does say that Neil did fine, you know, morale-wise in the, the dressing room, so yeah, I've got every faith in him to get us over the line this season, because he knows what it is to be a Celtic manager, and he knows what it is to win, he is a winner, and to me, I wouldn't have anybody else in our, our um, took out tonight,
3: or going for the 10 than Neil. Declan, we will be back. We'll be back at quarter past seven this evening for our coverage, our match day coverage. ...of tonight's European encounter. It's a a win or bust game for us tonight. We'll talk all about the team announcement... ...which will be with us by then. Uh, We'll be looking at predictions... ...and uh, all the way through the game... ...we'll be analysing and discussing... ...the action as it happens... ...along with all the the viewers... ...on YouTube, Twitter and Facebook. Please subscribe to us on YouTube... ...because we are producing multi-content... ...on a daily basis... ...on that channel and elsewhere... Uh, All that's left for me to say at the moment, Declan, is thank you once again for joining me on A Celtic State of Mind.
1: Pleasure, Paul. Thank you.
0: audio company iheart media gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iheart media is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more
3: sports social podcast network 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 Sports Social Podcast Network
2: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse With family